All right, it is one o'clock Eastern time. Darren and CJ are with me. Uh, we're gonna talk about passwords today. Thank you so much for being here on this Black Hills webcast. If this is your first time, uh, thank you for joining us. If this is not your first time, thanks for coming back. Uh, we hopefully you've been learning things from us. Uh, and then if this is your first time, you may not know, but we have a team of people who respond to questions continuously throughout the entire webcast. And on average, we get 600 questions and comments and we try to respond to every single one of them we can. And then uh, uh, generally you'll start to see like our responses to them. So you, you, if you had a similar question, then it will be answered there. Questions that get asked a lot, I will then pop up on screen and ask CJ and Darren to answer it live on the webcast for everybody. So today with me, we got Darren Roberts and CJ. Uh, they are Black Hills. So CJ, you're like the COO and Darren, you're a tester. And we're gonna talk about password policies today. So thank That's you very right. much for in here and I'm gonna go off camera thanks Jason yeah so thanks, why are Jason. we talking about this again time after time this is one of the oldest probably one of the oldest security issues in the book and yet it still arouses a lot of passion a lot of discussion and a lot of controversy so I guess that's why we're talking about it we've got opinions here we're gonna try to present a lot of facts and then tell you what our opinions are which facts our opinions are based on um, so there's no right and wrong answers in this because these are risk decisions and it's up to every different group to accept or reject risks. But it is up to them also to evaluate the risk properly. And we're just going to try to bring some stuff here. We're going to use a little bit of ridicule because part of our job is to entertain why we're presenting. Um, we're not trying to be disrespectful. We're going to take shots at PCI and Microsoft and kind of insinuate maybe they're not the smartest people in the world. We know they actually are the smartest people in the world. But uh, um, Darren... <laughs> So Darren has a little story here for kind of like what actually initiated this whole thing. Why don't you go ahead and tell that, Darren? So uh, what initiated it, it was um, I was in a meeting with CJ and I brought up this, uh, a couple of customers that I had. One customer, uh, I had a weak password policy as one of the findings in the past. The customer replied back and said, why are you recommending 15 characters as your password policy when Nest recommends eight characters. And then another one replied, another one, same thing, said, why are you recommending 15 characters when Microsoft Office 365 recommends eight characters? So, of course, I would uh, formulate a lengthy email explaining why we have 15 characters, and this is probably easier to do. <laughs> Yeah, so we can reuse this solution, but we can also kind of get our thinking out there. And quite frankly, um, I was a little hazy on some of the requirements on what NIST did. I actually thought NIST went to the long, a longer password a while back. Yes, I was misinformed. So in doing this research, and, and we have extensive resources in the back for what we looked at, you're welcome to use those and others. Um, but we had quite a fiery conversation, so we figured maybe this would be a lot of fun. So with that, Let's see, I got to get over to the slide because I got the camera showing. There we go. So in the beginning, way back in 1985, when I first started using a computer, um, there were these great things called the Rainbow Series. And the DOD Green Book had a nice little discussion in there about why they recommended eight-character passwords. Yes, 1985, the same year that Back to the Future came out. I'm not sure what the significance of that is, but it's interesting. And the reason they, they arrived after doing all the math at NIST, or not NIST, the DOD did this, um, was that that's the speed of guessing at a 1200 baud modem, you'd have to change your password every 90 days. If you're interested in seeing the math and the background on that, it's in Appendix C of the Green Book, and you can get that online. It's in our resources. It did throw in this little hint, which again, kind of comes to us from the recesses of time. All things being equal, the longer the password, the greater the security it provides. Keep that in the back of your mind the whole time here because that's our central point we're arguing. So, What the experts say, I'm also a PCI QSA, um, and when I was at that course learning that, and every year when I have to retake the research, they harp on their seven-character password requirement. Um, interesting, they also use a character set of only 62 characters, upper, lower, and numerals, no special characters required, and the demand that they change passwords every 90 days. Um, and then they've got the password history of four, which is kind of woefully inadequate, but this is PCI's argument. And when I'm in the class, I ask some pointed questions because I'm stunned. 
Uh, part of this back to the future is, wait, did computing go, move backwards in time somehow? It's now 2017 when I'm taking the certification, and now we've got seven characters is okay. But hey, it's, it's only money, no big deal. So this is the PCI recommendation. And I don't get the change passwords every 90 days thing. I mean, the whole point of changing your passwords is in case they get leaked or the hash gets out. So if it's shorter than eight, it's even going to be a shorter time frame, right? I mean, anyway. Right. So remember back to the green book, that was 90 days because right. at 1985 processor speeds and, and line speeds on a 1200 baud modem, that's how fast you could rattle through them. I don't know. Again, I would like to see people, you know, throw a little more information out about the justification for this, but PCI was pretty silent on that. So remember, it does say minimum. Let's keep that in mind too. So Microsoft, Darren saw this as well as I did for Office 365. They want eight characters. Interestingly, they they actually say this, and I have it in italics here, longer isn't necessarily better. I'm like, Okay, well, that contradicts exactly what the Green Book says. It contradicts what NIST says. I believe it contradicts what the math says. But, hey, I'm open to other opinions. There's some reasons for why it isn't necessarily better. And they, they cite it here in a second. They don't want you to require special characters either. They don't want you to do the mandatory resets. They do want to ban common passwords. So the other thing when you're looking at these standards, a lot of people, like in Darren's case, when they talk about NIST, and we're going to get to that, they're, they're picking and choosing about what NIST says. So banning common passwords is a very good practice, right? Not allowing people to use password one yeah, that, or summer 2019. That's a pretty good idea. Enforce registration of multi-factor authentication. All, should have been in all caps, I suppose. Yes, if you're doing multi-factor authentication, that lowers the risk of the eight character, although Darren's going to talk a little bit later about why maybe that's not always the best. Like, like what's the cost of the longer to you? So, so this password policy isn't terrible except for the eight character minimum. I mean, you look at everything else and it doesn't look that bad. And even if you're following exactly what everything says here, I don't think it's a terrible policy, but you have to do every, this on every portal, everywhere you use a password. And so that's, and that's kind of... that's the catch, right, Darren? Is yeah. it everywhere? There's no little way to wiggle around and then use that eight-character password to get, get a hold of something inside. Especially since password reuse is so common. I mean, you find a... Again, we'll probably talk about this later, but you find a password works somewhere, you can use it somewhere else, too. <laughs> yep. So Microsoft gave a little more data. This was out of an article. So they talked about when you have passwords longer than 10 characters, that can result in behavior that is unpredictable and undesirable. Hmm. I'm not sure that that only pertains to greater than 10 character passwords. But they give an example for why a 16 character can be bad. Because you can do this stupid thing, 4444 or password, password. Yeah, those would be bad passwords. However, as I point out, nothing, banning common passwords or bad passwords or stupid passwords is part of educating your users and part of checking for those bad passwords. And even for eight characters, you can still come up with bad passwords with eight characters. So I'm not sure this changes the risk a whole lot. But even with the, those 16 character passwords, I will argue that those are still stronger than an eight character password. I mean, well, even if you're if a brute force, right? Yeah, even if it's if I was going to be guessing a password, I usually wouldn't guess password password for a 16 character password. There's, I, I it probably would come up eventually, but there's usually well, other things now. that I would try. <laughs> <laughs> now that it's written down, yeah. Once it's been publicized. <laughs> but it, but what I'm saying is 16 is way harder to guess than eight. So. Agreed. Can't wait to see what the audience says here. <laughs> All right, so then we go to the dreaded NIST. Actually, I love NIST to death. This is great. Again, this is the thing that, that Darren's customers are hanging their hats on. Eight characters, et tu brute, really? But that's not what they say. They say eight to six, you know, eight and longer. And, and to stop restricting people to only eight characters. That's a big deal. 
And one thing that uh, is funny with this, in my opinion, it's the eight character minimum is for portals that you don't care about. It's huge. If you if it's a secure portal, they say longer and multi-factor. But if it's a Netflix password, who cares? I mean, to some extent, who cares? And so it doesn't matter if you put eight characters on that. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit, Darren. What's your opinion on keeping passwords in the browser? <clears throat> I don't do it because I've got passwords from a browser on a test. And so I would rather put them in a sec more secure place like a password vault. So, but it's not terrible, I guess. I would say again that you can do it for things that you don't really care about, right? Rather than yeah. those all over. For sure. I get quite a few things like that, so. Yeah. Nothing where I have access to my credit card or ordering something, I suppose. The thing with the thing with getting a password off out of a browser is all you need is the password for whatever they're using to encrypt it, which is usually their same password that they that you use to get into their account. So it's just because of password reuse, you can get passwords off a browser pretty easy. Yep. All right. So key thing to glom onto here again, NIST says use multi-factor authentication for all but the least sensitive applications. So why your customers are arguing or why your companies are arguing for eight characters and pointing to NIST is the justification for that. It also says to do multi-factor. Interestingly, that with eight characters, they're, they're asking for, you know, no composition rules. So no uppercase, lowercase, et cetera, which makes it even easier for us to try to brute force those. So, To some extent it does. We don't know what the, what the character size is that they used because if you, I mean, you have to assume that it has all characters. Sure, so. but if you did recon and you knew their password policy, so if it's a website, say, Darren, and you knew that they restricted you from using special characters, you can rule that out. Oh, right. If you if they restrict it, yes, you should not restrict it. You should allow them, but not right. enforce it. Correct. Yep. <clears throat> so MIST also wants you to get rid of the password hints so that you're not giving people social engineering doing research a chance. That's for online stuff. I'd say your help desk probably still has ways of validating you. You might have security questions there, but they don't like them. No more expiration without a reason. We've seen that echoed by a couple of people, Microsoft including. Hashing, salting, and stretching passwords, always good to, uh, to help confound and increase the amount of uh, processor that attackers have to use to do it. They throw out that SMS should no longer be used in two-factor authentication. SMS is probably one of the weaker practices, but Darren, you had an opinion on this too. Yeah, I mean, we've seen recently in the news with, was it the Twitter CEO got hacked because of this? Um, but any two-factor is going to be more secure than none. And so even if you have SMS authentication, it just provides, if, if that's what you have, then if that's what's easiest to implement, it's going to be more secure than not having it. So you shouldn't not use SMS just because they say it's a weak thing. It's still gonna be more secure than not having any two-factor. Yeah. So if that's the easiest thing you have until you can try and implement something else, go ahead and- There's so much out there for Microsoft. There's Microsoft authentication we use for O365. There's Google Authenticator. There's YubiKeys. There's thousand solutions. You know, you've gotta pick one based on risk and cost and implementation yeah. details. Looks like you. Jason's got a question. Yeah, right, question. How practical is bypassing uh, two-factor authentication? What is common in the wild? It's from Nicholas. It, it happens. Definitely. Go ahead, J Darren. So uh, I was on a test, and I kind of – I it happened a while ago. But So I'm on a test, and I do a password spray, and I get a username and password. And, of course, it was protected with two-factor authentication, but I was still able to validate that the username and password credentials were correct. So I started poking around and seeing what else I could log into with these credentials. I was actually able to log into a, just a different portal on the network. And it was only protected with, protected with single factor. So I was able to modify the, the user's phone number 
and I changed it to my phone number and sent this two-factor request to my phone number instead of their phone number and was able to get in. But I mean, as far as like strictly bypassing a two-factor, I mean, it's hard to, it's really hard to defeat like a duo I, I or something I, like that. I saw a presentation from No before where they, it was an extensive one hour presentation on a lot of bypasses for two-factor. So those, those techniques are definitely out there. Are they common? No, they're not common. You're obviously raising the bar. So yeah, again. it's, it's hard to defeat the two-factor itself, but you can't rely on two-factor because it's every everything, situation. Every, right. everything that you have has to be protected with two-factor. And so if you, like I said, if you have a portal that might not be protected, it's people are going to be using the same password. And so you'll get in and who knows what happens after that. Right. All right. Google, pretty similar to Microsoft. Not a lot of deviation there. Here's what Apple says. Back, oh, back to Google real quick. It's yep. funny. The last thing that they say on the bottom, long passwords are stronger, so make it at least eight. Oh, there seems to be a theme here. <laughs> but again, uh, eight, is, in my opinion, is not strong, but people seem to think it is. Right. And so here we go. Apple, not a lot different either. So there's a bit of a consensus there, right? We're seeing a lot of eight from a lot of experts, a lot of very big, very smart companies saying eight. But there are other experts. Uh, one of my favorite people to listen to because he distills things down to my level is Leo Laporte. He's got a bunch of different uh, good articles on this. Uh, he says 12 to 16. Bruce Schneier, hero of mine, read a couple of his books. It's better to allow people to use passphrases. Hmm. All right. Guy that wrote this book, Mark Burnett, 12 to 15. Teen Vogue. John throws this out all the time. I love it. Teen Vogue has better security than PCI. Uh, that's scary. And BHIS says 15 just to break Landman. And I, I, I took a little bit of a, a leap here to say everyone else who does penetration testing. That's probably not true. I didn't check with those people. We'll call that a little hyperbole. We should have probably done a, uh, a poll on that for people who do penetration testing. What do they recommend? That'd be a good poll for us to take. I haven't met anybody in security who does testing that recommends less than 15. Awesome. All you, D. All right. So um, why do we recommend 15 characters? In order to explain that, we'll go over a little bit about brute force and password spraying and then password cracking particularly the LM hash that we talked about a little bit. So go ahead. So with brute forcing, what we do is we try and find a portal without any without lockout protections. Did I say that right? And then we find a, a known user and guess as many passwords as we can, as fast as we can and try and get in. A lot of times that doesn't work, especially if the password is long. And or if you're going over a 1200 baud modem. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it can't be in a dictionary either, but uh, one of the tools that we use for that is Hydra. So go ahead. And the next thing that we try is password spraying. So with this, we find a login portal. We find as many users as possible, and then we guess one password per user. And at Black Hills, we just do one password per user per hour. This usually, I've yet to find a lockout policy that, well, I take that back. There are a few lockout policies that could be triggered with this, but usually this is gonna avoid triggering any lockout. And most organizations are not going to trigger on this. So with this, we're not trying to find a specific user's password. We are just trying to find a user with a weak password. And and so it's a little bit different than brute forcing because we can't, I mean, if we, we can't target an individual, this is more of targeting an organization. And go to the next quick, slide. Oh, go ahead. Quick, quick question, Darren. When you've, done, when you've done this attack, how often have you succeeded against people with larger 
um, larger password policy lengths. I have guessed one password for a company that had a 12 character password policy. And the password was the user, the company name, one, two, three, four, which if you are using the right password blocks, that would be considered a weak password. And you should block any password that has the, you, the password, that phrase of the company name in it. <laughs> so. Or Broncos uh, 2019, kill Broncos. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh, go ahead, Jason. You have another question. Yeah, a question from Chad. How do you enforce a 15-character minimum? Isn't the highest minimum length a password GPO, it's a group policy, 14 characters? No. So we're going to go uh, over that in a little bit. That. So what might happen with that is you might break, you will break Landman or LM hashes, which we'll talk about. But you can set the password by GPO to more than 14. At least that's my understanding. So with again, with password spraying, we use easy to guess passwords. And with a large number of users and an eight character password policy, it's almost guaranteed that we'll get in. I have yet to be on a test where I've got a thousand or more users and not been able to guess a password with that password policy. In fact, it's kind of uh, inter interesting how fast they come in when you do a password spray with that. I had an interesting thing with uh, easy to guess passwords. I was driving with my friend, telling him what I do. And he's like, so what kind of passwords do you guess? And I'm like, uh, usually season and year. And he kind of looks at me funny. How do you know my password? <laughs> <laughs> that foreshadows the end of the presentation. But <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, it's um, easy to guess passwords are very, very common. And it's, I mean, they're easy to remember. So don't use them. Okay. I think next. that bottom oh. button is critical. You got greater than a thousand users in your domain and you're using an eight character password policy, we will get in. Let that sink in as an argument. And, yeah. and we're not different from the attackers here, except the attackers have more time to play the game. Yes, the attackers can guess. I mean, those passwords aren't unique. And if you, even if you block those, it's you still got to be careful. So in order, in order to understand password cracking, we've got to kind of look at the a little bit about how passwords are stored. So computers are going to store the hash of your password. They don't store the password itself. So if your password is password one, which we all know is weak, but if that is your password, it's going to get sent through a hashing algorithm, and it gets output with what we call the hash, and each of the hashes are different for each of the passwords, which is a good thing. Um, and let's see, okay, next slide. And one thing about the hashing algorithm, it is, again, depending on the hashing algorithm itself, we put in password one, out comes the hash. We put in a big, huge, crazy password. It's gonna come out with the same size of a hash. So the hash itself does not give any indication as to what the password is. So uh, the size doesn't affect the hash size or anything. The only thing that affects the hash size is the algorithm that is used to store the hash. So how do we crack passwords? The next slide. So, oh, sorry. The hashing algorithm is, is also not reversible. So just because we have the hash, we can't do a reverse hashing algorithm and get the password one. And How that works, I don't know. So <laughs> that's, that's the fun part, isn't it? <laughs> I remember during my CISSP test, they made me learn all this crap about cryptography. And to, for me, CISSP is kind of the, the C-level manager type certification. And you know what I need to know about, about cryptography? Is it, is it, it secure works. or is it broken? That's what I need to know. And which one are we using? Um, right. I guess it's good to know the fundamentals, but 
Another point just to make real quick here, I know we're going through some basics and I bet 80% of our populace here knows all about this. Remember, we're presenting here kind of a, an outline of how you can go back and argue to other people this argument. So we're kind of presenting all the pieces here. Yeah, so, so anyway, the hashing algorithm, there's mathematics behind it. While you can't go backwards, it kind of has to do with the difficulty of the algorithm itself but just know that it's one way. You can't just reverse it. So even though you have the hash, it doesn't mean that you have the password. Now there are some attacks where you can pass the hash and you can do other things with this hash, but that's a different kind of vulnerability. But just know that just having the hash doesn't really mean that your company, your password is compromised. So we, in order to compromise that hash fully, we need to crack it. So this is where we go on to the next slide. So let's say we have this hash here. So what do we do with this? Well, the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna guess a password. And so I'm gonna guess password one. We're gonna put it through our hashing algorithm and out comes the hash. Now we compare this hash with the hash that is we have, we find out that it's not the same one. So we do the, another password, password two. We put it through the hashing algorithm and we come out with this hash. We compare the hashes, they're not the same. We guess password three, out comes the uh, hash through the algorithm. We look at the hashes, sure enough, these match. And we have, we now know that the password for this hash is password three. So imagine having an eight character password and we wanna guess all of these eight character passwords. You can guess eight character passwords pretty quickly and compare them a lot faster than say a 16 character password. 16 characters, there's a lot bigger sample size, character size. So it takes a lot longer to crack passwords the longer we have. So that's another argument to have a longer password policy because cracking takes longer. Now let's look at the LM hash. The Windows stores two types of hashes. One is LM that you might've heard of. It's much older, it is deprecated, shouldn't be in use anymore. Another one is the new technology LM or NTLM hash and well, I'm not gonna go into a whole lot of detail about these, but LM hashes are much weaker. And let's look at why. So an LM hash is basically, they you take a password and if up to 14 characters, and this might be the answering the question that was posed earlier, that 14 character password, what they do is they break it in half and they take the first half seven characters and they hash the password that seven character password they take the second character second seven characters and they hash that and i looks like my Your green box is slightly boxes off, are yeah. a little off there so anyway if you do that and you can those hashes they put them together and it creates the lm hash now, if your, if your password is less than 14 characters, they're gonna pad that with null characters to make it up to 14 characters. And so all passwords are essentially brought up to this 14 character password. And then they're cut in half, they're hashed, combined back together, and we have our LM hash. Now, what makes this so weak? Another part that makes this weak is before they put it through the hashing algorithm, they capitalize everything. So if you look at this Bada Bing Baby, it has the same character set as all capitalized or partially capitalized Bada Bing Baby. So, um, so again, it decreases your character set. And not only do they decrease the character set, they make it so that you only have to crack the first seven characters, which is a lot faster than cracking 14 characters. So how much, what is the difference here? Go to the next slide. If we, if you look at the, oh, sorry. Yeah. Which so one? crack, yeah, go to the next one, it's fine. So um, cracking seven characters, 
is the same amount of time as correcting an eight character password. It's the same amount of time as cracking a 14 character password because they take the 14 characters, they just basically make it two seven character passwords. So you can look at how many possible possible passwords there are with an LM hash that looks like there's a trillion in the trillions, I guess, 69 to the seventh. The reason why there's only 69 is because there's not the, the lowercase character set. 26 um, get taken out, yep. If you take it the NTLM hash, which actually stores all the characters, uppercase, lowercase, and it keeps the 14 character password, there is an octillion. So we're multiple, multiple times more secure. So it's not even in the same scale. Seven characters is just easy to crack. How easy? If you go to the next slide, my son's computer, he's got a gaming computer. It takes eight minutes to crack an LM hash. If you take the same 14 character password, it would take 4.3 billion years. Well, we so, got time. Yeah, there's, there's not much difference there. So uh, this is why we recommend going to 15 characters because we know that longer is better. So you got to have something over eight. You cannot save an LM hash with a 15 character password. So if your password is 15 characters, you know for a fact that the LM hash is not going to be saved. Most of you might be saying, well, we've disabled LM hash storage on our environment. We don't need to worry about it. We still see it on tests. It you still do. pops up. It's not an uncommon thing to see an LM hash stored. So even though you think you've disabled it, have you really disabled it everywhere on every possible system? It's much easier just to have a 15 character password and you know that you can't have LM hashes. Nice. All right. Here's my response to the problem, and I've been using this since I worked back at Northrop Grumman in the Intel community, and I wanted to argue for longer passwords. I think we did move our password length from 8 to 10 uh, during that time, but we, in we introduced all sorts of crazy complexity requirements that were bizarre, like not being able to use more than three lowercase or three uppercase or three numbers in a row, which forced me to use keyboard patterns on my keyboard, which stunk. This cartoon has tremendous power. I hand this out all the time to people who tell me. I use this card to talk to managers. I use this card, this cartoon to talk to people who say, long passwords, our users can't remember eight characters. Look, to me, this argues that it, you can come up with passwords that are way easier. I use things like this for my home network, right? Something that we get guests all the time. They want to know, how do I get on here? And I have four random words that I can easily remember and I easily hand out. So this is one of my this is one of my most powerful tools in arguing with managers. So and with what, users. What's funny about this is no offense to any systems guy, because I know that they probably want a more secure password policy, but I get on a test and, and they're like, okay, here's the password. And they've you know they give they can't do it over the phone because it's so random and i don't know if it's an uppercase whatever you know so we they put it in our secure dropbox account or whatever and i get it and typing that in sometimes i can't copy and paste it and so i'm typing this in and i'm like okay seven capital u <laughs> they so I'm, you. I'm trying it takes me forever to type in this password i'm like just let me change it and put 15 characters in it i mean it's so much easier to type out a passphrase than one of these randomized character. And, and on my phone, passwords. especially, I get annoyed, right? That I have to switch character sets on my phone, where it's if, if it was you know, 15, 18 characters long, it's like, oh, so much easier to type. Right, yep. So let's see the math. I know I kind of the kind of guy who says there will be no math, but. We got another question, CJ. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, if you create a GPO, uh, uh, group policy uh, to prevent storage of LM hashes. Is that reliable? It is reliable in that it will prevent the LM hashes from being stored there. But again, is it 100% reliable throughout your whole network? GPOs 
are known to be misleading Complex. and there's known to be people that fall outside of those GPOs on accident. So I wouldn't rely on it personally. And a different type of question. Since PCI requirements want us to have users change passwords every 90 days, how do you approach this topic with PCI auditors? You're going to have to change your password every 90 days, most likely. I, you could try to make the argument that because you're using 15 or 20 character passwords, that there's no need to change them every 90 days. You may or may not win that argument. You can, you'll have to ask, but I mean, likely you're going to have to change them every 90 days, which it's, it's. So the other thing to realize is that that only applies inside the CDE, the cardholder data environment. So if most of your users are on the outside in the domain connecting in, that does not apply to those systems. Uh, a few more and then we'll get going. Uh, yes. Do you commonly crack Active Directory password hashes or do you retrieve them after a full AD compromise? We usually crack them. I mean, there's a way to get the hashes off. Um, sometimes we are given those from the point of contact. They'll they'll ask us to crack them just to see their security posture. And then we'll do that. Or if it's a, you know, a pivot test or something and we've compromise the domain, we'll, we'll crack them just to see what other things we can get to show risk. And so we do crack AD passwords, get the hashes. All right, that's it for now. All right. Thanks. So the math here, just want to talk about the formula a little bit. You guys are hackers, so you always like to know what's behind the whole thing. And there's, there's great websites out there. Um, to just plug in these variables, and I'm actually going to show one here. But notice that the length has a predominant role in the entropy, which entropy is the, the randomness and the difficulty to, in my view, crack. That's probably not exactly precise, but close enough, which is why NIST can argue you don't need special characters when you go long, because the length, as you lengthen it, it overwhelms the character size set in terms of determining the strength of the password. So. Hat tip to Crambler. This website's really cool, and I, I took all these slides here directly from his website. So instead of doing the math and showing it, I'm just going to kind of show you his various password types with samples here and how long it takes to, to, to crack those things open. So eight character, here's everybody's favorite. Everything can be done in less than a day. His ranking on those is risky. All right, even with the, the craziest, wildest, most random character sets you do. Now let's go to something that mm, I would say is definitely questionable. Two words, orange tea, this is cool, things like that, can still be done in less than a day. Passphrases, George, or Mr. Schneier's, uh, Schneier's pick, NIST's indication of what they want you to do, things like that. So we're up into the centuries and everything, secure forever. So I, I will say it's secure forever with our current technology. <laughs> sure. <laughs> as long as the, I mean, you could. Look, our theme I mean, here is back to the future. So if you guys have a DeLorean, we may be screwed. It, well, this is, this is kind of what I'm talking about with, with regards to um, the password policy that they set in 1985. I mean, in 1985, an eight character password policy was secure forever because, or, you know, no, was, 90 days, 90 days. Okay. So it was secure for long enough for them to um, be, we don't need to do anything, but I mean, as technology changes, so do the password policies need to. Hey, this is a, this is warfare, right? Everything is move, counter move. We have electronic countermeasures. You have electronic counter countermeasures. And then it goes up above that and I lose track, so. So we're getting questions about, um, have you run the Google common word attack against passphrases? So like, if you just load words into a cracker, then doesn't that crack passphrases? Sure, yes it does. How many combinations of four word passwords are there? So how long is that going to take you? What if you start using words from a foreign dictionary? What if you start putting salt into those words like I do when I use that multiple stuff? I've got a specific salt that I reuse, actually. If someone ever breaks one of my passwords, they'll probably find my salt. 
I'm willing to do that because with the other four words in it, good luck. Or misspell a word. Well, the problem with misspelling a word, and that's the correct horse battery staple thing, when you do those substitutions and you get that troubadour substitution, good luck remembering that thing under duress. Although we'd argue, let's start using password vaults. There's lots of other things I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But I just, I think if four, four words, and if you start using special characters as a spacer between your words and things like this, I, the question is, are you more secure than you were with eight? But yes, there are attacks against everything, so. So Darren kind of summarized this up, this from the field, kind of our results, but I just did want to talk about it. We have no success with people who have 15 character passwords, approaches zero, and we have tried these things. Now we're constrained in our time. Normally we don't have more than a week or so to do our password guessing, whereas attacker, according to a Verizon report, they've got like, what, nine months, something like that? So they might have more success with that attack. BHIS, we eat our own dog food. We do 20 characters or more, 24 for privileged users, and we do the two-factor. I don't find that we, and people say, well, you're BHIS. Look, my characters, my passwords are much easier to remember as phrases and lengthy sentences. And Darren had a good point about, what's your thing, Darren, about you're being able to type something, you because you don't have to change it, you get really quick at typing. Right. So. I can type my password, which I don't even know how many characters it is. I'd have to count, it's over 20. But I can type that a lot faster than this random eight character thing, just because of, yeah. yeah. And so you just get used to it and you can do it very fast. I mean, it doesn't take long to get used to typing a long password, especially if you don't have to change the password because it's never gonna get cracked. And we do two factor. Right. Well, just because that's our password policy, I don't think there's many people that count the number of words and say, okay, what what can I do that's going to give me 20 characters? Because I don't want to have to go over. <laughs> no, you just pick a nice long phrase and you use it and it's simple. Yeah. Okay. Another question, Jason. Yes. Yeah, so uh, this question's come up a few times. Are spaces legal? Yes. They, they are a spe special character and they are very good. And it depends on the... the person who is writing the password policy or enforcing it. Sometimes they don't like it. I've well, and also remember when you've got web apps and things, there's different apps, whoever programs that right. might be restricting that. Right, but it, it, they should be allowed. Yep. So this is a thought experiment because I haven't actually done this game, but it's a, it's a it's a, a tool that I'd like to hand out to people and offer to you all to play with your managers. Get the people who are resistant to that. If it's a group of users, if it's your own tech guys, if it's the C-suite, get them in a room and play this game. Oh, we need a quick thing, Jason. Does anyone know, would you like to play a game? Where did that come from and what year? Okay, so hand out three by five cards to everybody. Give them two. Everyone puts their name on the card. Brief them on your existing password policy. That's probably eight characters, upper, lower, numeral, and special character. Have everyone create a brand new password, one they've never used before and never used on any other system, and write it down on the card and then hand it in, right? So now they've got a password they've just made up and their name is on it. They hand it in to you. You can now maybe show and discuss some of the things, did you find any bad passwords? Did anyone say Broncos 19 or something like that? Did everyone meet the policy? Because people get confused with those special character policies. Did they actually comply with the policy? All right, then show and discuss the stronger alternative policy you're proposing, 15 or greater, passphrases, correct horse battery staple method, whatever. Brief them on that policy and talk to them about how to make and use that, right? Come up with four random words. Maybe put your wife's name in the middle. I don't know. So have the players do that. Create that password, write it on the card, hand it in. Again, look through the cards. Did anyone, you know, fail to comply or any of those easily guessed, like correct horse battery staple is probably in a password dictionary and something we would try to guess or should try to guess. Now, here's the kick, the kick, kick, the kicker, right? Now, while you've got those cards in your hands, 
pick a couple of random users and ask them to remember the password and recite it back to you that they probably wrote down 10 minutes ago. I think this might have tremendous punch, but I have not actually done this game. Like I said, right now it's a thought experiment, but something maybe you can try. And, and we'll certainly try it here. I'm gonna see the results we get. So our takeaways. Darren, I'll let you hit through these. So uh, one of the things that you could do is perform tests on your own company. Obviously you need permission first, but passwords spray your own portals. You've got the list of users. You could do easy to guess passwords as well as a tester can. Just see what you see what you find. Crack your own hashes. Again, it it doesn't take much computing power to crack hashes. Just let them crack and see if you can get easy to guess passwords out of it. It it might give you some extra power to go to management and say, look at what I was able to do. We need to increase our password policy. So do consider lengthening your passwords. Try and make them 15 characters or more. Put 2FA in everywhere you can, even if passwords get hacked. 2FA is going to protect the, those portals. And, and this is my bullet here. So we're basically following a lot of a lot of data, a lot of recommendations, and kind of building on it. But here's the thing. You all have to make risk decisions in your own environments with your own management. The thing is, make sure they understand the risk. This is, our, this is what we've got to do. Get through to them and, and, and show that to them. And they have to explicitly accept that risk. You've got to train the users and train your leadership to understand and brief this, but you you have to explicitly accept the risk that you're doing it with knowledge. So, are you really going to let this guy decide the policy without <laughs> enlightening him? All right, here's the thing with the frustration. So we did a couple polls. Real quick, what were the results of that of our poll with eight, 10, 12, 15 character passwords, 15 or greater? 38% of the people responded eight characters. So we had 9% at 10, 20% at 12, and then 33% at 15. And then remember Dar uh, Darren's thing that he cracked people with 12 character passwords. Only once, but just yeah, let you know. 12 is, it, it, the longer makes it much more difficult. So longer is definitely better. But always remember that, you, that security people, as far as I know, are the consultants. They do not own the risk. I get people who are just ready to pull their hair out because management won't do what they ask in any realm, passwords, firewalls, uh, segmentation of their network. Management's just like, no, too expensive. You don't own the risk at the end of the day. You've done your due diligence when you've informed them properly. So things to remember about how you argue. You know, show people your facts, show them your work, and then tell them what your opinions are. And remember that risk, risk tolerance is an opinion. Any two people you name will not have the same risk tolerance. And organizations have to kind of understand their own risk tolerance, and those people in charge of making that are going to do it. Be effective in your argument. You probably not want to give the presentation we gave here to your C-suite, because we're a little irreverent here, and we're trying to be entertaining. We should take a poll, Jason. Did we accomplish our goal being entertaining? Um, <laughs> Jason does have a question for us, by the way. Sure. Yeah, and then someone answered it. Uh, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> so one comment from the audience that I wanted to share, it was uh, they've trained their help desk to stop saying the word password, and they say passphrase. That's, that's, a, so, that's yes. how you change cultures. Yeah, so I thought Jump. that was really cool to bring up. Words matter. That's a very nice little social engineer going on there. Social engineering is not always bad. Darren talked about demonstrating your risk. I like to document your recommendations. When you're having a conversation with a manager about risk, even if it's about segmenting your network, you might have a talk in the hallway or in his office. If, if, he's, if they're leaning against your recommendation, even if they're, they're with it, it's always an effective thing to document your, destruction, your, your discussions and show that to them. The other thing is a formal risk management matrix where you have a meeting about risk on your network. NIST had a great RMM, risk management matrix, which had your threats, vulnerabilities, your mitigations, your risk, your residual risk after the mitigations that kind of formalizes and puts it in a table formula. But above all, listen to Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush and just don't give up.
don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah, I was uh, just talking recently to uh, to a customer who was saying how he's tried to get his password policy no, changed. No, no, there is no try. You either do or you do not. Strong in the force you must be. Go on, sorry. Jason's a little confused. I don't know where that came from. Sorry my mic went a little warbly there. I apologize. So uh, anyway, it's... You, you do need to work on increasing your password policy. It's one of the easiest things for attackers to to attack is the passwords. If your password policy is strong, it makes it much more difficult for attackers, for pen testers too, but attackers. Yeah. And that's it for us. So we have plenty of time for questions or discussion. We have a bunch of resources in the back here. They're pretty fun. So. Anything from the audience there, Jace? Yeah, so uh, these slides will be made available. We'll drop the link in the chat also when it goes of, uh, up on YouTube in about a week or so, then uh, we'll have a link to the presentation there. Hey, um, one person said, if you are considering going to a 15-character password policy, what is some of the best ways to brief, essentially, the organization that you're moving from what you are now to that I think you need to educate them. I would I would advocate you all put together your own little training session. And you've got to be effective because organizations vary, right? Are you going to do it with humor? Are you going to do it with data? But, but I think you need to show users that you're trying to make this actually easier for them. I know there's more keys to type, but, but I, we're trying to say that's easier. And again, you can try some practical tests, but I think the end goal, when we can increase security this easily with this little effort, you can make an argument that even if it's a little more difficult for them, should they accept that, knowing how easy it is for us to break them with eight. And I think you show them data, you show them the math, how fast you can break. I mean, set up your own cracker and show them how fast it takes to break an eight character bad password or a good one. You can break them both from the hash, so. If you do not have the password black if you do not have the password blacklisting and own password alerts would you still recommend not expiring passwords again so your risk tolerance is your risk tolerance you can make the argument that you're safer changing the passwords that you're leaving the window open less long that's a valid argument and an all right discussion to have Again, with us at 15 and higher, and almost everyone does higher than the 15. I, I just don't see that time being a factor. For, for our, that's our decision, though. The bad, Darren, are you aware of the tools for, I mean, I know we've actually got a tool um, for checking those, but there's implementations out there for checking those common passwords. I know there's technical stuff. Yeah, so once the, the thing is, an organization should not know a user's password. So it's not like once you create the hash, it's not like they're gonna know what the password is if it's bad without cracking it. And so it's there's gotta be something when they set up the password that kind of checks to see if it contains certain characters, certain you know words or whatever you wanna say. But that needs to be done prior to creating the hash. I, I don't know if that answers the question or not, but if you don't have that, still having it be 15 characters is better than having eight characters because they're gonna use easy to guess stupid passwords with eight characters. They might with 15 as well. I'm, I mean, I'm sure they would, but it's much harder to guess a 15 character password than eight. Uh, how do you best combat sticky notes when you demand password <laughs> complexity? The, the password, point is to password vault. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have a password vault. That's that's basically what you do. Um, sticky notes. If you have complexity, you you almost have to have sticky notes because you can't remember what it is. With password phrases, especially if you start calling them passphrases. Um, it's much, I mean, it's much easier to remember those than 
pass words with weird complexity requirements. Also, you've got to examine the risk of, of that written down. It's a bad practice, but no one's going to get that over the internet. People in the office are going to get it. If people are sneaky about how they write them down, it's much better than them keeping in a spreadsheet, which we constantly find in, in pen tests. But against <laughs> hey, stupidity, the very gods themselves contend in vain. Hey, Darren, I just want yeah. to add in there, too, that your password policy is a written document, right? And it can say that users are not allowed to write down passwords, and that's okay. Obviously, it's difficult to make a hard control on that, but having that in a soft policy is okay to do and also gives the company some leverage to manage that risk. So I just want to add you, that. And do you punish people when, that's, when that happens? What's the punishment when people violate security policy? You wonder why things don't get done. Anything but else, Jason? I guess you're waiting on me. As long as it's on the bottom of your keyboard, it's, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a safe place. <laughs> uh, so, so I guess to recap, if you're using two-factor authentication, even with a good password policy, are you negating your efforts by having SSO inside the two-factored portal? So SSO is single sign-on. If you – single sign-on is very useful – from an end user perspective, it's much, it's more difficult to keep secure because once you log in, you're logged into just about everything, hence the name, single sign-on. And so are you bypassing the two-factor? Are you bypassing security? It depends on how you enforce that single sign-on, I guess. So if you implement the single sign-on securely, then it's <laughs> if you but, don't use a password vault securely, you're host. I mean, there's lots of ways to kill yourself. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. You've got to check. It, the devil's in the details. It's like endpoint protection. We've got people we love, uh, Silence. We love Carbon Black. And sometimes the people do it so that we pull our hair out. And sometimes they make mistakes and we go through them like Swiss cheese. You've always got to implement carefully in security. That's it's complex and there's a lot of ways to go wrong. So, and that's right. why you get tested. I mean, it doesn't matter who's testing. You do need to get tested just to make sure that it is secure. I think this one will raise uh, much conversation. How vigilant uh, are you? Uh, ref referencing password reuse on sites that store with poor practices, unsolved hash or plain text. Do you use have I been pwned or similar resources on a regular basis? Yes. Every test. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, we, uh, when we get a list of usernames, we always, you know, check have I been pwned or other leaked data, and it's surprising how many times you find that. A lot of times those passwords don't work because they've changed them and they've been notified and they're, you know, sometimes years old. But And, and um, showing your users this kind of data, especially if you can find some user of yours whose data is on there, and how you train them, showing them the example, making your own little two-minute video weblog test about why we don't do, why we don't use passwords on multiple sites, because there are places like this show people why like got to distill it down how do you how do you simplify it and present it to them so they understand the problem training is not about in, you know security's not forcing people to do your bidding it's making them understand so they do the right thing that's when you've been truly effective i recently had a test where a password from i think it was a 2017 breach still worked on a outlook portal so it is very common. <laughs> All right. So last question, then we're going to stick around and answer more questions in the post-show uh, banter. So what's going to happen is we're just going to kill the recording because people don't like to watch a video that lasts longer than an hour on the Internet. Um, but this other question is for, like, older mainframes and older computers that don't allow for more than eight characters, what are your suggestions? That's a good question. Make sure they're not connected to the internet. <laughs> um, Segmentation. Yeah. So uh, if if you if you have to have an eight-character password, change the password regularly. 
because if the hash gets out there, it'll get cracked. But if you're changing the password, you know, every week, every month, it's that it has that much less opportunity to get out there. The, the problem with the eight character, Darren, is you you broke in how many hours? Yeah, it's I mean it's less than a day. So then you so, have to change your password every day. Yeah, I mean. It, to be to know you're secure, it's essentially it's yeah. 